Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 45, with Katie Cyril, nurse practitioner on rural, primary, and specialty care. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and Clinician Business Institute. And since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. To learn more, you can visit us at npbusiness.com and clinicianbusinessinstitute.com. So today I'm interviewing nurse practitioner Katie Serrell. I loved this conversation as it gave us a chance to catch up. It's been years since we've had a chance to talk. But you'll also hear more about her practice journey and what she did to overcome the obstacles. She was told many years ago, that good luck when she asked to buy the practice, implying that she would fail. But she was able to build a very successful practice that brings patients from outside of her immediate area in this very rural area. So let's take a listen to the lessons and the wisdom that Katie shares with us. Well, I, it was a physician's group that owned Firth, and they'd had a PA in there for just a short period of time, and he hated it because Firth has 450 people in the town. So Firth is extremely rural and extremely small, and so and it's only six miles from my house in Shelley, and so I, it was my dream job. But they gave it to they gave it to this other guy and I thought, oh well, you know, so I was looking for another job and we had gone to I was an infection control nurse in uh, Pocatello for 25 years. And they offered me a job up in Idle Falls being a nurse practitioner infection control person. And I was going to interview the next day. And I was on the golf course when they called me and gave me the first job. And I was on the 16th hole. <laughs> I remember I really golfed good after that because I was so excited. <laughs> but I got that I got that job. I I graduate I just barely had graduated 
I hit was brand new nurse practitioner all by myself in this little town, in this clinic where you can get anything and everything. And uh, they had a, they had a doctor up in Shelly that I would meet with once a week. And I had a lot of experience. I have 40 years of experience in healthcare. I started out as a med tech back in 1978. And so I worked in the lab and then I was an advanced EMT. So it wasn't like if an emergency came in, it wasn't like I was going to panic and croak, but I did. I did a little bit anyway, because I had never been a nurse practitioner. It's way different, but I did know how to start IVs and do all the, you know, get them ready for the ambulance and stuff like that. So, and I had to, there was stuff that came in. You're like, first time I did stitches, a guy got scalped. at the potato plant, you know, and I'm like, and luckily I had an MA that was really experienced and she just kind of walked me through it and we cleaned it up, stitched it up and he was fine. And it was like, I still see him. So (laughs) that was 18 years ago. And so at this clinic where you started, you were a new grad. I was brand new right out of school. There was nobody there, but you. Nobody. You were the sole provider. Okay. Me, an MA, and a receptionist. Okay. All right. And so then you worked there for a number of years. I did. I, I worked there uh, and I built up the practice and and they, they changed their um, management. One of the hospitals bought them and they sent a head, a head hunter, a hatchet man in. And he, he looked at Firth and said, nah, we don't want to deal with that. And I had been keeping track of the numbers and the amount of money and everything. I knew exactly where we were, but um, they just didn't want to deal with it. And they were ready to close the clinic. And, um, but they, they kind of forgot they had two years left on the lease, which would have been about $70,000 in, uh, in money in rent. And so I said, listen, um, let me buy it and I'll save you that money. And, you know, and they did, they, they could see the, they could see the, the smartness of saving that money, but they said, you'll never make it. And and that's all they had to say to me was you'll never make it. In fact, I put a thing on Facebook yesterday. that said, when somebody tells you, you can't do it, do it twice and take pictures. (laughs) I'm just like, yes, yes. I, I, all they had to do was tell me I wasn't going to make it. And, uh, and so I scrambled. I, I went to AAMP, listened to you, got all your tips, uh, got credentialed. And it was weird because, you know, I had to change everything, change my, you know, the ownership of the clinic. And I only missed 13 days of Blue Cross. And that's the only thing that I didn't get in a timely way. Uh-huh. And so that was that was a lot of money, but it was like Medicaid, Medicare, all of them started on August first, two thousand twelve. And so I worked hard. I I remember needing a little Xanax at the time. <laughs> Holy crap! But uh, that was almost ten years ago now, and the rest is history. So we've done really well. Yeah, yeah. And you were saying that the practice now, I mean, then it was just you and the MA. And and now it's you and some NPs and a whole, we actually a whole suite of employees. 12 people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everybody lives either in Firth or in Shelley. 
and it's like a family. It's yeah. it's so cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. We love each other, and you know, a lot of them have been there for the whole time with me, and uh, just just a good just a good feeling. And people will say that, you know, they'll say that you know it's the office staff that make it run, you know, make it good. Right. It's not necessarily the provider. <laughs> I try to I try to be a good listener. But well, the last few years I've been out like six months on my my appointments. And I finally this year had to stop taking new patients in rheumatology because rheumatology is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I could see that about seven years ago. I was getting a lot of lupus patients because I have lupus and they just knew that I related and so I mm-hmm. and there's only two rheumatologists in all of Southeast Idaho. We're talking like half a million people almost, you know, and so right. it's crazy. They were out a year and people would come to me and say, I can't, there's no, you know, I need help now. Right. So I went and took the advanced rheumatology course through the American College of Rheumatology because I didn't want to be stupid at it. <laughs> right. Right. And started seeing rheumatology patients. Okay, so that's how that started because because the clinic is also family practice. Is that correct? Yeah, we, and then okay. Carla and Jake do all my family practice now. And for about two years, I've only done rheumatology and been completely booked out. Yeah, I bet. I bet. You know, it's hard, particularly in rural areas, getting into specialists. I mean, when I had first started my practice, I mean, I wasn't a specialist. It was just family practice. Although I did have a bent toward pain management, but, um, you know, we lived in a county, the whole county only had 60,000 people and the town I was in had, was the largest town and it had 17,000. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so to send anybody to Seattle, you know, or Tacoma or even Olympia for, um, specialty care, it was difficult. It was terrible. Yeah. It they was hate difficult. going. They don't even want to go to Idaho Falls, which is only 20 miles away, but they, they don't. They don't want to no, go. A lot they of people don't come. want to go into those towns unless they're going in anyway, because that's where they go in and they do their shopping maybe once a month or, right. or something like that. But a rural community is so different than practicing in. I suppose downtown Idaho Falls or downtown Seattle for that matter. Right. You know, it's just very different. Yeah. It's a whole different world. So with your, um, with your, so you're just doing the rheumatology, everybody else is doing family practice, but you're also think you're, you're getting ready to sell your practice. Is that correct? That's right. What's going to happen to rheumatology? That's a big deal. Okay. Everybody's very upset. And uh, and we haven't really told all my patients yet. So you guys don't talk about it. <laughs> okay, we won't talk about that part. <laughs> we're we're planning on the first of the year kind of we want everybody to have an opportunity to get another provider if they want to, but Jake's been working hard to finish the course, the the rheumatology course. Oh, he is. And, okay. And he he's going to take some of the patients, but he can't take everybody it's just there's too many so the hospital in Pocatello we have they are our ACO we've been in an ACO with them for about six years 
and we have a connection with them and they're thinking everybody's saying what's going to happen room told it's just it's bad now it's bad with me and with me leaving um one of the other room tall just got very ill and he's he was gone almost this whole year and that that i got killed that's what happened is we got killed because his patients had nowhere to go for help and and so we of course we're going to help people we're going to do mm-hmm. that um but we need help, you know, Southeast Idaho needs rheumatology help and mm-hmm. somebody's got to start looking at recruiting. And so yeah. they want me to help maybe um, recruit a nurse practitioner to do rheumatology. And, uh, but they, they've only given them two half days. <laughs> They're going to fill that on five seconds, you know. It, well, it, yeah, demand, if there's, if there's the demand issues. Yeah, if they open it up for rheumatology, the, the demand is huge. So, I mean, they can make money. The bottom line is, can we make money doing this? Oh, yeah. We, I mean, you know, they've looked at this, our clinic. It's been very successful. We could take, we could probably get four or five calls a day of new patients wanting to be scheduled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, somebody so can do it. perhaps, but, you know, if you're, you're getting somebody two half days a week, that's not enough to recruit somebody in from the outside. No. And, to and that's what I told the, area. Yeah. the chief of staff. I said, you, you need to be actually get a rheumatology person, like even a, even a nurse practitioner or PA that's, that has experience in rheumatology, they're not going to come up here for that. They want, they're going to at least want full-time or, you know, part-time. They're going to, they're going to need to be paid. So yeah. we've been looking and, you know, we've been looking at, there's a group called the RAP, which is the Rheumatologist for Advanced Practice Providers. And it's, it's made up of PAs, NPs, and PharmDs. And it's a great group. And so we went to a conference this year and, and there's a lot of people out there doing rheumatology that are nurse practitioners. And uh, we'd love to have somebody come up, but... They All right. Ready. Well, practice. anybody looking, they might just want to contact you after they listen to exactly. this podcast. Be great, and we'll make sure that we have that information available. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a somebody. it's a huge area that that needs um, people because mm-hmm. the people are so they're so cool. I mean, and and just knowing I have lupus and I know what it feels like. Uh, to have chronic pain and, and fatigue and just feel crappy some days. And I, I, usually I feel crappy the same day they do, you know, if the weather's bad or whatever. And I'm like, I walk in, I'm like, I, I bet you feel crappy today. <laughs> yep, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it's good. You know, I love the people and I, I could, yeah. like, I could stay forever probably. Yeah, yeah. Except that, you know, there's also different seasons in our lives and sometimes it's time to move, to move on. Now, one of the things that I think, um, especially if anybody's listening that is interested in Idaho, Idaho is full practice. I mean, that's the beauty of anywhere in Region 10. It is, it is full practice. It is beautiful. It is wide open. It is. It's we really live in a very, very beautiful place. Yeah. It's only an hour and a half from Yellowstone, an hour and a half from Jackson Hole. Uh, the Snake River is right there from my house, and it's beautiful. And uh, that's where we live. I 
cross it every day when I go to work and uh, see bald eagles on my way to work. I take pictures of them almost every day, you know, so it's like, mm-hmm. it's a great place. It's a beautiful yeah. place. I love it here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Northwest. I mean, that's where my heart is. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's a definitely, although I like a little more coastal, but uh, yeah, being that close to Yellowstone and the Tetons, that would be, that would be the deal. <laughs> you want water. The Yellowstone Lake is really, really big. Yeah. It's almost like an ocean. You can't really see across. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But um, yeah, I'm not going to come take over a practice. <laughs> I think we went to, to Yellowstone 10 times this year, my husband and I. Yeah. Yeah. Love yes, it. I'm sad to say I've only been once. Oh my gosh. It's so great. <laughs> I know. And there's so much to do. And, and I know I didn't even touch it hardly just no you gotta spend a lot of time there but since covid everybody's discovered our beautiful places and they right right there's too many people so speaking of covid how did it impact your practice or did it well it was interesting because i i had a lot of anxiety that i would get it and uh and and so i worried a lot i worried about my people we knew we had to stay open and we, we just had so many people that needed us that, and I talked to my staff, I said, you guys, if we stay, stay open, you are, you know, this is that risk, you're at risk for this and this is bad stuff, you know, and everybody said, no, we want to work with you. We want to stay open. And we did. And uh, what, what's really funny is I never got COVID. Other people did in my office and, you know, but um, I just never did. It was weird, but I'm glad. I think Heavenly Father blessed me on that one. So I, I said a lot of prayer. I did, right. I did a lot of praying right. <laughs> through COVID. And uh, we, we stayed pretty busy when it was completely quarantined. We still actually stayed pretty busy. And then when, um, when the vaccine came out, uh, it was like crazy. We, we've always been a, a vaccine, um, you know, for uh, v, VFC, for vaccines for children. So we, we already had a pipeline into that, but there was a tremendous amount of red tape and work that came into qualifying to give the COVID vaccine. And, and we, we did it. We did all of the ground, groundwork and we were one, the one clinic in Bingham County that they put on the website that said we give COVID vaccines. And there was another, there was a pharmacy in Shelley and that was it. And we, they put our phone number out there. Oh my goodness. And we got like hundreds and hundreds of phone calls. My receptionist, her brain blew up and we called and said, get that off of there, put our email address, you know. And so they finally did after about three days of heck. And uh, that was crazy. And so we were totally inundated. Um, it, it was a lot of work. I have a, an, I have an MA that uh, she like is going to go straight to heaven for all that she did. We vaccinated 2,200 people in our clinic. Um, and that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was good. And we did, we did probably 2,500 COVID tests. 
and we're still doing them. And we had a huge surge just recently in Idaho because people aren't getting vaccinated. The fact that we did 2,200 vaccines in Idaho was fantastic. Because <laughs> right, Idaho's right. about 49%. You know, we're always the one of the lowest in, in children's immunizations, too. It's just people don't want to yeah. do it here. Yeah. Well, well where I'm hard. Yeah, where I am right now in Missouri, um, for a while we were listed as um, having the least amount. But you know, oh, some yeah. other states decided to take that that um, that honor. Um, we got to be close because yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're still in emergency critical. The hospitals are still yeah in critical um, access right now. You know, and they're they're having a it's still tough. My yeah, brother um, passed away from COVID in January, so that was. I'm sorry was, about that. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been hard. People, I have people that are sitting there telling me that it doesn't exist. You, know, it's um, it's real interesting. Um, one of I was talking with another nurse practitioner the other day who was speaking at a conference down here, down at the Ozarks, and she said it was like COVID doesn't exist in yeah. that area. I said, Yeah, I know. It, it doesn't. And um, I, I mean, it does, but the belief. Yeah, they don't think it does. In this part of the country anyway. And, yeah. And I mean, we just shake our heads all the time because we don't understand that whole thing. But that's a whole nother topic. So oh, it's very political. It's very political. Tough. Yeah. Um, and it's also very sad because really it's. We're talking about some basic public health things, and I don't know when yeah. health became a political issue. Like, well, in, I'm, in an, I'm an infection controller. Yes, that's right. We have always in our office. We have always been extremely. My my master's thesis was on hand hygiene. We just are like Nazis of hand washing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So so our you know our patients know that. And I think they felt pretty comfortable that we, you know, we changed a few things. We'd keep them out in the car if they were sick and mm-hmm. wear masks and, the, you know, have them wear a mask, bring them in. Just one person would take care of them and things like that, you know, but yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So your, your clinic though is also known as medical home. Is that correct? Did I- it's a patient centered medical home and it's right. actually the smallest clinic in Idaho. Uh, with the patient-centered medical home. All right. And was that difficult for you to get that designation? And has it made a difference in your practice? Oh, yeah. So I, we got, we've had been recognized now for three years in a row. And uh, it, it's hard to maintain uh, in the fact that once you get your workflow going, it's not really hard to maintain. It's just uh, you have to keep that quality constantly and everything, all the reimbursement now is based on, you know, um, value-based care. We just changed our, we were, I was on a Medicaid committee in the state of Idaho. Uh, they just changed our Medicaid to completely value-based care. It's, they're, they're doing VCOs. Uh, we have ACOs. We're trying to do, you know, quality. And so you, if you get a culture in your clinic of quality, and that's, we've got that now, we've got a, culture of quality and so our workflow goes 
that way and it makes it a lot easier if you know what's expected and when you get a, a new uh, employee they know okay this is how we do it then it's not it's not hard mm-hmm. it's not hard but it's still um a lot of paperwork a lot of, i have two uh ma's that just one that just works on that at home she you know she kind of does all the care gaps and things like that and tries to close them before the end of the year. So that's a big deal right now is trying to close all those care gaps right now. So it's crazy. Okay. So that you can dot all the I's, cross all the T's and stuff like that. But we've made, you know, that's the way to get your reimbursement. You get your top reimbursements through Medicare, Medicaid, you get your top reimbursement through Blue Cross. You can get an incentive if you, it's really hard because everyone has to do it now, you know, with like an ACO with the group. I know my clinic is doing it, but not all of them are. So that just like, you're going, come on, you guys. <laughs> because, because it takes everybody to out. actually get it. We lose okay. out on that incentive, you know. We lose, we leave money on the table because not everybody's made it to that. And it's hard. It's difficult mm-hmm. uh, to get there. It's not like they've given you, you know, just easy peasy stuff. You have to really work at it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the Medicaid uh, value based is, is actually risk. Um, The first year, usually, you know, most of these things, they won't, they won't take money from you if you're not doing your quality. So you have your no risk, you have, and then you have the risk. Usually they'll wait for a few years to get everything established and then they'll throw that risk in on you. But when Medicaid did that this year in Idaho, they they threw the risk in there. Um, if you're not if you're not doing anything, then you you know you may get I don't know I don't know if they'll do it, but they they may find you at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's written in, you know. So yeah. we're not going. I I know we're not going to, and we didn't lose anything because we are a patient centered medical home. They used that to get the top, um, uh, what's it called? The, you know, the care you get every month for taking care of people that, um, anyway, we didn't lose that. We get the top tier of that. Okay. And so that was good. And if we didn't do that, if we didn't do patient center medical medical home, we would have been cut quite a bit of money per month. So, so it made a big difference for you. That's great. It does make a big difference. So, you know, you were, when we were talking before we started recording, you've been at where you are right now for 19 years. You've owned it for 10 years. Um, and when you were getting, when you were getting started and in, in just transferring over that ownership or purchasing that clinic, what kinds of issues did you come up against? I know you mentioned the credentialing, but what were some of the things, just so that people have an idea of some things maybe to keep keep their eyes open for, to be aware of if they're in that kind of a situation? Well, start on Medicare. <laughs> Get on PECO as soon as possible because it's going to take time. Yeah. And you have to understand that the more you mess up, the longer it will take. So be extremely thorough. From the very beginning, be anal and OCD on all your credentials. 
and, and you know they've done since I started. They've got uh, CHQH. Yeah, QH. They've got that, and you know they've got some other kind of clearinghouse things for credentialing that make it better. Have your stuff all together, and then you can kind of just go here, 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 and that that's helpful. But I didn't have that. I had to go here, 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 you know. And so um, you just have to try to figure. And I had no idea how you were reimbursed. I didn't know anything about billing. It was a huge learning cliff. I it was tough there for a while. So um, if I if I had to do a couple things over, I would have done the tutorials for my billing software <laughs> first. Yes, but I didn't. And I'm not a tutorial person. I just figure I can figure it out. Well, no, 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 not on that. So that's something that I probably would have done a little differently. A um, couple of other things was the fax machine. I mean, it was just seems like a silly thing, but we tried to do a cloud fax. Well, none of your government offices have a cloud. They won't do cloud fax. I didn't know that. And so if they... If they didn't, they, you just got no information from them. So for a while, for like a month, we we weren't able to fax and we weren't able to get faxes. And it was at a really critical, crucial time. Right? My husband said he remembers me in the fetal position in the hall <laughs> because the fax machine won't work. So, you know, it's like keep things simple at first. Keep yeah. keep everything, your overhead as low as possible. Um you know, I, I was telling Barbara, you know, we, we did an MA, a receptionist, me. We didn't change that for a couple of years. We kept it pretty simple. Um, didn't buy a lot of equipment. Uh, but we did, what we did do, though, is we got equipment that would pay for itself, like an EKG machine, you know, a spirometry. Um, we did that, those things that we knew would pay for themselves and make money eventually anyway. And they did. All those things we got um they made money for us you know yeah, so yeah. Uh, we've always tried to offer as many services as possible when i became a nurse practitioner i i wanted to do everything and so it was good because i got in a place where i can do everything i i'm in idaho i you know have full practice authority from the beginning We've never had to have a supervising physician. I've been able to own my own clinic without having, you know. One thing I couldn't do here was to be a rural, rural health center because the state of Idaho requires a physician. And so I never did. I didn't become a rural health center. But I am the most rural in this area. But there's like four rural health centers around me. Right. Uh, but I think we've done okay without doing that. I, yeah. I think we've been... And in my opinion, better off uh, because it, I was more autonomous. I didn't have to do a lot of government things. Um, right. There are a lot know, of I, regulations with rural health yeah. clinics. And actually, I think yeah. it's a federal regulation that it's. Yeah, they were. And film. you had to, the only way you could get uh, qualified as a rural health center was to become um medicare certified i think anyway they didn't actually do it they had had so many rural health centers that they didn't care to have the people to come in and inspect you and so it was just it was just kind of a logistics nightmare for for me right then so i i thought oh this is how we're going to make it be a rural health center but 
it didn't turn out that way. So I I just got every single thing I could charge for. It, you know, we started doing injections, um, joint injections, and I did training on that. I got trained on everything I could think of to get trained on, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it worked worked for us. Yeah, and we yeah. get a little bit of everything. I mean, we get gunshot wounds and pigs kicking on you know, and cows not running over you and car wrecks and you know. So it's not boring. No, no. Rural rural, being in a rural community is not boring because you don't know what's. Oh, he's got something new. Yeah, you know, on the coast, um, it was usually something. You know, it could be the fishermen, it could be the hunters, it Mm -hmm. you know could be somebody who got some hypothermia because they were out hiking somewhere. Yep. Um, Near drownings. uh, I mean, you could just get anything in those small rural clinics you know and um, not to mention the babies so yeah we haven't had to deliver one. Oh, knock on wood yeah uh, well see i get one today <laughs> <laughs> i just jinxed them you just, might. you just might so what else haven't i asked you about your clinic that you would like to talk about that you'd like to share well i, I think I, I think a big part of um what I do is try to provide access to people mm-hmm. um, because they, they love the fact that, that we have that clinic there. And then what happened was I got too busy and, and then my, my old patients that had always come to me got mad at me because I was doing this rheumatology and was too busy. Um, but that's when I, I said, I've got to get somebody good really good. And I had, um, I was always a preceptor uh, for nurse practitioner students. And I had these two um, nurse practitioner students that just, I knew that they were the greatest, you know, and so I've been really, really fortunate um, to have these two nurse practitioners come and work for me at, at the clinic. It's been, it's been a huge release relief for me because I, I was going to die. I mean, I was really not good. I was a hundred pounds overweight and lupus and trying to see 30 to 35 patients a day by myself. And, and I, my husband thought I was going to die. So I lost 90 pounds, which was good. Yeah. <laughs> Got more healthy, which was really good. Got Jake and, and, and get some NPs on staff with you. I do. Yeah. I've got yeah, two. They're working right now. They, they're busy. Um, people love them. They're building their practices, you know, with me. And it's been great. And they've been with you then for how long? Um, Jake for almost four years. Okay. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Good. good. And they came right out of school. I grabbed them right out of school. Yeah. But I knew them. Yeah. See, I and that's the difference. Them. I think. I knew when- how good they were. Yeah, and you precept them. I mean, it's like you pre-trained them. I did. They, they, and they actually came to my clinic twice in the rotation of their their clinicals. Mm-hmm. And uh, one year and then the next year, they, bo- they both came twice, which was great. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was a, a no-brainer. Then. I had a lot of students over the years. Now they're all practicing. It's so fun to watch them, you yeah. know be great at what they do yeah 
Yeah. And, and, you know, the, I was talking with another nurse practitioner several episodes ago, and she takes a lot of NP students um, and she gets them from all over the country now because she'll even bring them to her home. Um, And she also does some um, work in Costa Rica and students will go with her to Costa Rica as well where they do healthcare. So, you know, there's this investment that, yes, it can be time consuming for a lot of people to have students, especially when they're newer students, but it's also an investment in, especially if you have your own practice. And in your case, you were able to find the perfect employees to come and work, the perfect clinicians to come and work and grow and eventually purchase your clinic. Yeah. As it turns out. So that's really good. Yeah. All right. It's been good. This has been great. This has been great. It's been all good. It's all good. And yeah. and it's also very good to see you again. I mean, we don't get to talk very much and no, um, too busy. And yet we've known of each other and been involved for well, at least 10 years, if not more. Well, 12. Yeah. Actually, you know, it was uh 2012, so I guess 11, something right. like that. Nine, I don't know. Yeah. Nine years. What is it? 21? Yeah, whatever. I don't know what Nine. year it is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and you really helped me, you know, I, I listened, I listened, I learned, I was very, very motivated to listen. And I've been a member since you first started the Nurse Business Owners Association. I know, I think you you are one of the longest lasting members. There's you and one other nurse practitioner, and I think she's just a year behind you. Um, But yeah, yeah. from the beginning. Well, and, and just the interaction, and if I had a question, I knew I could always go ask, and that I'd get good answers from everybody, and it's been yeah. good. Yeah, good deal, good deal. The only thing I hate is this. I can't help you with that. <laughs> no, and I'll be certain. I'll be just glad someday to be to be done with notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that and is. I, I'm an old dog. I mean, I'm sure I could get a scribe and it would be easier. But I just, I just got to have that presence with the patient. And I've had a hard time with that. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was always, um, and still, it's like my notes are so detailed, and it's, it's between that person and I. And personally, as yep. a patient, I don't know if I'm pouring my ha- heart out about something. I don't want a third person listening. No, and I don't want to have that provider sitting typing on the computer either. So I, I don't, yeah. I write notes a little bit and then yeah, I'd get up at four in the morning and do them. Well, at least you're healthier now and you're not working five days a week. Yep. And, and it's all good. And it's all good. All right. All right. So hopefully anybody who's listening that um, maybe wants to hang out with you or to contact you about. Oh, yeah. Especially rheumatology. Hello, rheumatology NPs. Um, Actually, I think I I referred a rheumatology NP to you, but she wants to start something in Montana. Montana. I've got to get older, too. Yes. That's on my list. She's waiting. On my list of things to do. 
I know she's waiting. So, um, but uh, just uh, your contact information will be in the show notes. Great. And and your Facebook page so that you they can get a hold of you there. Great. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks, Barbara. That was fun. Thank you so much, Katie, for sharing your journey with us. There are so many lessons for NPs to consider when starting a practice, particularly in a rural area. So for all of you listening, you'll find the show notes at npbusiness.com forward slash rural Idaho, along with how to contact Katie. And if you happen to be an NP who has an interest and experience with rheumatology, please be sure and reach out to her because she might just be looking for you. If you recall in this episode, Katie mentioned the importance of knowing what to bill for in order to maximize your reimbursements for the care that you are giving. And if you happen to be listening to this episode before mid-November 2021, I want you to be aware of an upcoming webinar that we're doing again this year with reimbursement expert Don Self on the CMS changes that we can all expect for 2022 and how it will impact our practices. Now, we did this webinar last year and it was eye-opening for many and it actually made a difference to their bottom line. So you'll want to tune in and listen to this. You're going to find that information over in our show notes and all over the blog and on social media. So be sure and look that up. And if you can't find it, just reach out to me. Thank you so much for taking the time out for listening to this podcast, sharing it with your colleagues, and commenting. It really helps others, just like you, find the podcast. I'm Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.